time for the Wednesday edition of the North Shore Drive podcast here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. we got to talk about Brian Flores' departure from the Steelers, what that means. Then we'll also talk a little bit more Steelers with the Mitch Trubisky question because he is he's a solid backup for the Steelers that they're gonna, they could have behind Kenny Pickett, but that cap hit is a big question. We'll talk about that, and we'll have Matt Benzelon talking Penguins after their overtime winner. I'm Chris Carter, host of the show, joined by Brian Batko talking Steelers. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. And welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined right now by Brian Batko, one of our great Steelers beat writers who's in a scullion coat on his on his, uh, on his his porch out here in western Pennsylvania. It, uh, Brian, is it that cold by you? It feels nice outside to me. It's, it's a nice sunny day here. I mean, it's still in like the 40s, but uh, I want to be, be comfortable, but also kind of enjoy this. I was going to say unseasonably warm, but it's really all we've had lately. So uh, I appreciate that that winter has has not really dealt us many many big blows this year in Pittsburgh. No, I hear that, um, Brian. I wanted to to lead with you talking about because Ray and I didn't get a chance to talk about the Brian Flores situation because we recorded you know not too long before he announced that. But just looking back at it. You know, there was some dismay made for a little bit, but I think everyone kind of understands, like, Brian Flores was a head coach last year, and he was a senior defensive assistant for the Steelers. What was your takeaway when you saw it happen? Did you think it was a definite lock that it was going to happen, that he was going to be gone next year, or did you think there was a chance the Steelers were going to be able to keep him? I thought there was maybe a slight chance after he struck out on the Browns' defensive coordinator job, but then you you kept seeing his name get thrown out there for other opportunities – at one point, I saw one of those betting websites installed him as the favorite to get the Cardinals head coaching job. I, that might have been before the news kind of came out that the Cardinals actually were interested in looking into a couple of the Bengals uh, coordinators before they were eliminated. So that probably changed the calculus there for him. And I guess, you know, the, the scuttlebutt on this is that uh, he, he likes this opportunity with the Vikings for right now thinks it could be another one-year stint before there's more head coach openings, read better head coach openings this time a year from now. I guess I wouldn't blame anybody who's not sure what they're getting into in Arizona at this point. Uh, New leadership, obviously, with the new GM. Uh, There's talent there, but the Kyler Murray question kind of looms over that. So I'll be curious to see who gets that job. But going back to Flores, yeah, I mean, I I thought all along that this was going to be a short one-year reset period for him with the Steelers in a job that he frankly was overqualified for given his resume. What I think is is kind of interesting about it, Chris, I mean, if you're the Steelers, you don't get anything out of this in terms of, you know, he's it's not going to get a comp pick for developing a minority candidate. You know, he didn't get a head coaching job for one, and he wasn't here for two seasons for two. Um, and even some of the guys that he was here to help mentor and coach in his group with the inside linebackers. I mean, I don't think Devin Bush is going to be here next year. We don't know if Rob Spillane's going to be here. Miles Jack is, you know, he's already been around the, the the league a lot. He probably didn't necessarily need that kind of coaching. And we'll find out about Mark Robinson. But I think beyond any sort of tangible impact that 
Flores had on this team in 2022 that could carry over to 2023, I would spin it more toward if you're the Steelers and the decision makers and the, the brain trust here in Pittsburgh, let this be a lesson of, yeah, it, it helped you out. You know, go, don't be afraid to kind of go out here and get an experienced guy for your staff, even if you kind of have to create a role for him in some sense, even if he's not going to be here long, even if it's a, a stepping stone for him. Mike Tomlin always says he doesn't care where good ideas come from. I think the Steelers on both sides of the ball got a lot of good ideas this past season from Brian Flores. Now maybe you should take that same kind of approach to the offensive staff. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting point to be made. I think more people are looking at that. The Steelers for a long time have approached the, the don't have too many cooks in the kitchen you know, philosophy when it comes to coaching. And then there's certainly merits to that conversation because, you know, sometimes less can be more when it comes to making decisions and planning things out. But when you have a person like Brian Flores who has head coaching experience, who knows team environments and knows how to, you know, who has ideas about how to plug, you know, helping thing, helping hands into different situations. And let's face it, you know, they, that guy didn't just talk to the linebackers or even just the defense. He talked to, to Kenny Pickett. He talked Kenny Pickett talked about that on Cam Hayward's podcast. Um, and you know he was talking to Mike Tomlin, you know, during game planning throughout the week too. Exactly, and having a, another person on staff like that, I think, was an asset. And I don't think the Steelers, like they, the Steelers, didn't want to see him go. But it's just a matter of, you know, you you can't, you know, you're not that that guy was moving on soon anyway. It's like I saw the the idea of like, well, why not just promote him to defensive coordinator and move Terrell Austin out of the way? I'm like, well, Brian Flores probably leaves in another year for a head coaching job after that point. So. I'm not to say so nothing sure. of Austin's own abilities. I mean, I think he's a good defensive coordinator in his own right. So that that's exactly. kind of causing a problem that you don't need to cause. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that I don't know if there if there was a shakeup here that would have prevented that situation as much as just as this was an inevitability when they made the move. But the Steelers still get credit for making the move in the first place, for, for bringing him in. And, I mean, you know, credit was given by several of the players saying, you know, they, they went from dead last in run defense to ninth in run defense this year. Uh, if they're able to take those lessons moving forward, that's huge for them. But like you said, maybe the Steelers need to look at it as an organization, but like, you know what? Let's go get another mind like that and add it to the offensive side of the ball to help Kenny Pickett solidify in, and maybe you figure out some things a little bit faster on that side. Yeah, there's no doubt. I think that the addition of Brian Flores helped the Steelers in 2022. It was, you know, obviously they went on a, on a limb a little bit to bring him in, given uh, the lawsuit that he filed against the league and some of the off the field distractions. It, you know, that part of it, not all that surprising that, that Mike Tomlin and, and Art Rooney would be willing to kind of make a move like that. But the, the surprising part of it is just the way they've done business over the years. You know, they, they don't really go out and and bring in that recent former head coach type very often. Like you said, Chris, the coaching staff, uh, traditionally one of the smallest in the league. They're not one of these franchises that has a bunch of offensive analysts and defensive consultants, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, you know, they, they did kind of break from that a little bit in this case, and I think they were better for it. So that, to me, is, is yet another indication that it, it can't hurt to go get a Brian Flores type on the offensive side of the ball for this upcoming season and see if you can, you know, kind of replicate some of that success that you had uh, with, with that, you know, like I said, unconventional for them coaching move this past season. I hear you on that. Um, we'll see if a move like that comes. Art Rooney said that they are open to making changes. To and, there, and there's no salary cap for coaching staffs, you know? I mean, <laughs> I, and I think it would be one thing if the Steelers were still, 
winning at a high level in the postseason, still getting to AFC Championship games and Super Bowls, and you could say, this is our philosophy, this is the way we do it, it's working. But right now it's not really working to that extent. So maybe you do try to tweak some things, switch something up, get out of character a little bit from what you've done in the past. Uh, you know, I think Flores can he can go have success with the Vikings. That is a division, the NFC North, where you know Aaron Rodgers is either gone or he's coming back to a team where you know things weren't going very well for the end uh, at the end of the season for the Packers. Do you believe in the Lions to keep it up? I don't know. And the Bears, you know, they they're picking first in the draft for a reason. You got to figure out the Justin Fields, uh, you know, problem that he presents every week. But uh, I think that the Vikings defense can can absolutely go to another level with him at the helm. And like you said, Chris, then maybe a year from now we're talking about him with one of these other bigger, high-profile openings. In uh, man, it's crazy to think that would be twenty twenty-four by that point, wouldn't it? It would be twenty twenty-four, and that is kind of crazy. It's a big number. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but I, I do I do think that there's more to explore there as we see time move on. Will the Steelers make a move? We'll find out. I think once once the Super Bowl's over, you'll start to see more coaching moves start to happen across the NFL yeah. because then all candidates will have been available, being talked to or figured out, and then teams will start to feel comfortable with uh, making more moves. So we'll and, and I don't necessarily know that they'll replace Flores, at least not one for one, because Jerry Olsavsky's still on staff. We know he previously, you know, had the title of inside linebackers coach. So um, I, I think it would, like I said, it's a, I'm a broken record. It makes all the sense in the world to add another high level coach and uh, experienced two. person or two to that staff. But I don't necessarily think that you need another a new inside linebackers coach yeah. or a new it's senior not, it's defensive not the position assistant that they're feeling. Yeah. It's the presence of, yeah. of a person like that. I think that's the big difference there that you're looking at between those two spots. Um, so we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But the other big question, another big question that the Steelers have that might not be so, you know, in the forefront for people is what to do with the quarterback situation. Now, everyone's probably thinking, well, Chris, Brian, duh, Kenny Pickett, but what about behind him? Because Mason Rudolph's a free agent and Mitch Trubisky's on staff, but for a $10 million cap hit. We'll talk about what the Steelers could do there in a minute here on the North Shore Drive podcast. But first, we're going to talk to you guys about Valley Pool and Spa. It's gotten nice outside, as we've said. Nicer. Not still at nice, necessarily, as you see Brian's in his scully here on a porch here in Pittsburgh. But Brian could be inside, chilling in his hot tub, his swim spa or sauna, if he went to Valley Pool and Spa. And if you go to Valley Pool and Spa right now, they can hook you up with a hot tub or a swim spa right in your own home to help you refresh, rejuvenate, be and feel great, and feel like you're getting back out into the world refreshed and ready to go. They have Finlayo saunas that are going to be able to something that you can relax in, melt away your stress, forget about all the things that were frustrating you before you got to go back out and deal with a crazy commute, traffic, or all the Pittsburgh construction that's going outside. So this to melt your stress away, go get in-stock hot tubs, swim spas, and, and saunas from Valley Pool, Valley Pool and Spa at ValleyPoolSpa.com. Visit them at ValleyPoolSpa.com today to get your new installation. Back here in the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter, Brian Backo, breaking things down. Uh, let's talk about the Mitch Trubisky question. Our friend Jerry Dulac, of course, wrote about that this week on Tuesday talking about the Steelers wanting Mitch Trubisky back, but it's not as simple as that. Mitch Trubisky, uh, of course, started out the year as the starter, lost that job to Kenny Pickett. But throughout the entire process, Brian, and you covered it, you were there every day, 
he wasn't complaining. He wasn't moaning. He was being supportive. He was there to help Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know, he, he was he was that guy for the Steelers. And, you know, he wasn't a locker room problem during that time. But now he's your only other quarterback on the roster, and he's a $10.6 million cap hit in an offseason where the Steelers do need to create cap space so they can add to the team. Is this a, is this a thing that's being made too much of to keep him because he's a reliable backup for that price? Or is this something where, you know what, yeah, the Steelers need to cut ties or the Steelers need to invest and keep him around because they need that for Kenny Pickett? Yeah, I, no, I don't think the, the second part, I don't think they need that for Kenny Pickett. I mean, like you said, Chris, as far as we know, Trubisky didn't cause any issues. I think he was supportive of Pickett. I think those guys struck up a friendship and a, and a bond and a rapport in training camp and, and maybe even before that going back to OTAs. Um, you know, they were both new to this team. So, of course, there's some common ground with that. But uh, I, I think for a couple of reasons, I'd, I'd probably move on from Trubisky if I were the Steelers. I mean, number one, uh, yes, he played well as a backup last year. He, he seemed to thrive in that role more so than when he was the, the unquestioned starter at the beginning of the season. But, you know, it's, it's not like he was tearing it up in, in those moments. It wasn't like we can't let this guy go. First of all, if that were the case, you'd have teams willing to come trade for him. I mean, his value would be higher than what we all, at least on the outside, perceive it to be. I, I don't think the Steelers would have been willing to trade him mid-season last year at the deadline once Kenny Pickett got the job because he just the, the sample size was still pretty small on Pickett. You didn't know how that season was going to play out when you would have to go to true, back to Trubisky if you would. And as far as Mason Rudolph, like I just don't think there was anything there in terms of offers. I think they would have been happy to do it, but... Um, who was going to want him at that point. So as far as Trubisky goes, he was decent uh, when, when called upon to spell Pickett. But I think you can get somebody comparable, cheaper. And this is the other part that I want to mention that I think is relevant here. You know, even though it's a business, it's a bottom line thing. Everybody signed the contracts. It was agreed to. Nothing's guaranteed to you except the money that's in fine, you know, in black and white. But there is something to be said for, I think, treating guys the right way in the NFL. Um, you know, Trubisky, still pretty young. I'm sure if he's going to be a backup somewhere, he wants to be a backup where he's not behind a first-round pick where, you know, the, the franchise has invested a lot in that guy and has seen him lead four game-winning drives. And maybe he even thinks he'll get a chance to start with all this uncertainty uh, in, in the NFL quarterback carousel at the moment. But... Uh, I'm not saying the Steelers owe him anything in in that sense. I mean, they you know they they benched him in Week Four. I think that's the part where where it comes in, where it's like, hey, we're paying you the money. You know, we we can decide to use you or not use you however we want. That's kind of how this works. But now that that season is behind them, you know, Trubisky didn't like the demotion. I think that was pretty clear with his comments post game uh, after Kenny Pickett took over against the Jets. But yeah, it seems like he went about it the right way from there. Maybe it does make sense to kind of, you know, give that back to him now if there are teams that might be interested or if you just think, hey, if you, if this is what you want, we'll cut you loose. We'll save the $8 million. You can plot your next course. Sorry it didn't work out here. Um, you know, what, what have you. And, and we'll go find a 30-year-old guy or older who is willing to say, yeah, I know what this role is. I've been a backup before in the league. I'm going to come in and, and help this 24, 25-year-old guy. And, you know, that's that's what I'm signing up for. Because 
It's just, it's not what Trubisky signed up for. I don't know what the Steelers told him when they signed him as a free agency, uh, in free agency. I don't know if they guaranteed him anything, you know, maybe we'll never know, but, uh, clearly they went in a different direction. And, uh, I just think there's a lot, there's more reasons to me, uh, to, to move on from that than there are to say, Hey, uh, you know, we have, we have this deal done with you. You're more help to us than not. Uh, we're going to keep you around even if you don't want that. No, yeah, I, I think that that's a big, big part of this is with Mitch Trubisky, he has, you know, he did his job this year, but he, at the same time, you don't need a $10 million backup. That's the, like, if Mitch Trubisky was sticking around for another $4 million cap hit next year, I was like, all right, bet. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's fine. And I'm sure he wants to move on for personal reasons, but just roster construction wise, it just makes a ton of sense. If you let go of Mitch Trubisky right now, you save $8 million against the cap. Yeah, and you're gonna have to spend some on somebody else. So obviously, it's not you know pure eight million off the books, but right. maybe you get somebody for two, three, four million. But I mean, but all that stuff adds up because you know we yeah. we look at this and we'll, we'll take a closer look at this in, in, in you know probably next week or in a couple weeks here in the offseason. Closer to free agency, yeah. Closer to free agency, but the Steelers could restructure the contracts of T.J. Watt, make up its. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specrite para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Patrick, Deontay Johnson, maybe Cam Hayward, you know, pending because he's up, he's he's up there. You let go of William Jackson the third or come up with a new deal for him. You know, maybe you figure something out with Miles Jack with his eleven point two million dollar cap hit. You choose between Levi Wallace and the Kevin Witherspoon. You can start freeing up a good chunk of cap space. But Mitch Trubisky, I think, is has to be part of that formula to get to a number where you feel comfortable to be able to say, okay, now you have, I don't know, fifty million dollars in cap space, whereas like right now they have one million dollars. You know, and that won't be the number that the Steelers have going into free agency. They're going to, I, I think, Omar Khan, and they're going to get busy. They're going to get cracking on, on some numbers to create some space. But I, I just think that Mitch Trubisky is part of that equation to free up more space. And if they don't use it, I think that they're making a big mistake. It's a clear sign that we are in the dog days of February when we're having so much chatter about the backup quarterback in Pittsburgh. But, hey, I mean, it's, it's a topic that a lot of people, uh, you know, have differing opinions on. Trubisky's been kind of a lightning rod since he signed here last March, probably even before that, when uh, a lot of us were discussing kicking around names for who the Steelers would ultimately go to as the bridge yeah. Ben Roethlisberger into the next era. Uh, you know, we came to find out the Trubisky bridge was very short, but um, yeah, I guess we'll see if it if it extends in some way into 2023. Uh, I just think if you're him, you know, as as much as it could help you keep your value up to stay on the sidelines and, you know, not play poorly kind of the way he did in Buffalo a couple years ago, you know, you're, you're also, you're losing another year uh, of a chance to prove yourself as a starter in this league. Uh, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to do that, um, you know, after what happened in Chicago, but yeah, I just think that uh, it makes more sense for the Steelers to uh, go out there, get, get somebody who's been in this role before, somebody who can maybe help Kenny Pickett along as a vet. Not that Mitch Trubisky wouldn't, but it's a different dynamic when you're somebody who knows in the back of your head, I feel like I should be playing. I feel like I should be starting, if not here, somewhere else. So uh, those are all considerations to me. And the other part, 
Um, you know, we can talk about this maybe on Friday with Ray, but I don't think it would be the worst thing to uh, use a late pick maybe on uh, a quarterback who, you know, you look at what the Niners did this year with Brock Purdy and mm-hmm. how helpful that was to them when they had their own injuries in that room. Um, you know, I could go either way on that, but if, the, if you feel the right player is there, not Chris Oladokun, who, by the way, is still on the Chiefs practice squad. So, like, right. maybe he's not a complete dumpster fire of a player if Andy Reid and company are keeping him on the payroll. So mm-hmm. uh, I digress. But, uh, you know, I'm just putting that out there as if you don't want to pay a veteran to do it, maybe you could find a fit where a, an undrafted guy or even a late round pick could be your backup to pick it the way Purdy was in San Francisco. Certainly, we'll keep track of all of that here. And I'm sure you you and Ray will be kicking around some of those questions here on Friday because, spoiler alert, Brian Batko is going to be hosting this show this weekend. So be ready for that. He'll be Will I get my show. name up there on the little graphic, the little oh, North yeah. Shore Drive you graphic? Management about that, buddy. Mm, you know, I, okay. I, had, I had to pay top dollar to get that uh, that graphic made for me. So, uh, you know, you, you see if they spend on that. Uh, okay. <laughs> But in all seriousness, do look out for that. Brian will be our host of the North Shore Drive podcast on Friday. Continue to break things down. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to step away from the Steelers. we got to talk about the Penguins. They had a huge win last night uh, over the Colorado Avalanche. Matt Benzel, uh was there, was there to cover it as uh, Chris Letang buried a game winner in overtime. Could this be a spark for their second half of the season that they need? We'll find out when we talk to Matt in a bit. But first, we can talk to you guys about Yinz's in the Berg, which is your number one place to go to for Pittsburgh sports apparel and everything that you need if you're a Pittsburgh sports fan. So, Yinz's, listen up. The Steelers campaign may be over, but the Penguins are off and running, and Pitt basketball is playing well. And if you're a Pirates fan, you can get gear, gear of them too. Just go to either one of the two stores that Yinz's in the Berg has in the Strip District, and you can get any kind of merchandise. They have apparel, accessories, and a bunch of different options for you, depending on whatever your favorite team or player is, they've got gear. And if you can't make it to the Strip District, just go to their website, yinzerspgh.com. And at yinzerspgh.com, you can order some of that gear delivered right to your door. So again, go to yinzerspgh.com for Yinzers in the Berg, the number one place to get all your Pittsburgh sports apparel. Again, that's yinzerspgh.com. We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. Your host, Chris Carter, here. We're joined now by Matt Venzel, our Penguins beat writer at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And he was there covering a nail-biter. The Penguins back and forth with the Colorado Avalanche and getting it done in overtime in, in crazy fashion. Chris Letang got the game, got the game winner uh, at home for the Pens. Matt, that's Letang's second game winner in overtime that we've that we've seen. Now he did it against the Panthers uh, just a, just a couple weeks ago, uh, and I, I look at this and this was something that you and I talked about was Letang's return and being you know a full complement and you know and the team kind of being able to play together. Is this some is this a spark that can maybe set off some good things for a Penguins team that's looking to rebound in the second half of the season? Yeah, I mean, definitely the combination of, of getting Latang and also Jeff Petrie back has been huge for the Penguins. Obviously, they're their top two defensemen. Uh, Latang in particular, I mean, it's, it's been a really rough season for him uh, personally, obviously with the stroke and then the death of his father, but also professionally. I mean, he, he dealt with another injury. He really wasn't in himself in the first half of the season. So to get him going is huge for this team. And, and that's an obvious statement because he's, you know, a franchise cornerstone. But um, you know, I know Chris is a polarizing player. There's there's some fans who see some of the gaffes he makes and groans and says, I got to get rid of this guy. But, you know, I see a guy who drives play 
underrated defender, and he just makes stuff like this happen. Um, and as you know, you know, two overtime winners in, in the last couple of weeks. He's also the most points by an NHL defenseman in overtime in league history. Now, some of that has to do with, you know, his era coinciding with the three and three OT era. But, you know, this guy is a playmaker for the Penguins. They're, they're paying him a lot of money. They're counting on him um, to lead them. So getting him right, getting him going, um, you know, is one of the many ways this team can improve and put something together here down the stretch. What was your opinion of Casey DeSmith and how he hung in there and I only allowed a single goal and the Pens are going to need some more games from him like that, uh, you know, with, with Jari's with, with Jari, you know, balancing him out throughout the second half of the season. Yeah. I mean, this is probably, especially when you consider the caliber opponent, Casey's best game of the season. Um, you know, nothing else really comes to mind. I know he's had a few good games, but he just was really good. I mean, it felt like Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and our old friend Evan Rodriguez had the puck for pretty much most of the first two periods a bunch of really good looks, and he really stood tall. I mean, a few saves on McKinnon in particular stand out. Um, so I don't know how much confidence I have that he's going to, you know, stack stack another performance or two like this on top of it just because we really haven't seen that from him this season and, and really in the, the past couple of seasons. But um, to get a game like this from him coming out of the break is huge. If he can just kind of hold down the fort for another – two, three, four games here. It looks like Tristan Jari might return sometime in that window. I know it's Wednesday. The Penguins are taking off to California. I'm assuming Tristan's going to go on that trip. I don't know if he's going to play, but the fact that he's probably going to go suggests he's close. But um, if they can just get a a couple more performances like this right now from Casey to get this team going, and then whenever he's called on down the stretch, he's got to deliver. And he hasn't done that consistently this year. Um, I think that's more of a mental thing. Physically, I think he's feeling fine. Um, but yeah, he's an important player for the Penguins down the stretch here just to, to give them better goaltending because they can't just put it all on Jerry's plate. Penguins have a couple days off before they have back-to-back games against Anaheim and the Kings uh, at, the, at the end of the week here. One thing that the that, uh, that I think everyone was kind of agreeing with, I didn't get the chance to like check this game out live because I was busy covering Pitt-Louisville, but uh, I saw a lot of complaints about Jeff Carter and his lack of contributions, especially early on in this game. Uh, and I saw that you you uh, you were writing about how Mike Sullivan, he's been trying to reshuffle these lines to generate some sort of chemistry. What's going on? Is Jeff Carter just kind of done right now for the Penguins as, as far as being a contributor that they can rely on just where he is because of his age? He's, what, 38 years old? Yeah, he might be, as, as the kids say, washed. Um, he just... Uh... Yeah, it's uh, he's he's a very interesting case. I mean, they they signed him or they traded for him a couple of years ago. His first calendar year, um, he was really good, and then they relied him on a lot last year with Crosby and Malkin out with injuries. And you wonder if he just kind of emptied the tank. I mean, he just hasn't been the same player. Um, you know, he still finds ways to help uh, with faceoffs. He's an excellent faceoff player. You see them use him um, in overtime to win the faceoffs and tell him to get the heck off the ice. Uh, PK, but in in terms of him being your third line center, um, it's just not cutting it. And and that whole line is a problem. I mean, they 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 tinkered with the top six. The top six has carried this team. The fact that the Penguins got Josh Archibald back and reunited him with with Paling and Bluger on the fourth line, you know that gives them hope there. But it's it's a giant black hole on the third line. You know, Kapanen is disappointed. Brock McGinn hasn't really lived up to his contract. Dan Heinen's been in on the lineup, and then there's Carter. So, you know, when you look ahead to the trade deadline that's coming up here in three and a half weeks, um, you circle the third line, and and you do wonder. You know, Carter's not going anywhere. Um, 
unless you know I, he has to agree to a trade and i don't think he right. would want to do that but um you do wonder if they look to upgrade there in the third line and then where does that leave jeff carter so yeah he's uh he's definitely been underwhelming we'll say um you know and it's not for a lack of effort i mean this guy's an accountable player he's a veteran he's he's played you know one cop scored a bunch of goals like he knows he's not playing up to his standard um, you just wonder if at his age, if if he's capable of getting back to even the level he was a couple of years ago when he was so great for the Penguins uh, in that playoff push right after they acquired him. Ron Hextall addressed, you know, the potential of the, of the Penguins saying that they don't need to make a trade just to make a trade in the second half of the season. But a lot of people would say they need to make a trade. And uh, it's just tough because they, uh, we've talked about this before. Their, their salary cap is tapped out. You know, they're not trying to give up draft picks. It puts them in a peculiar situation. Uh, you wonder at this point, Matt, if if there's anything that they can do. You know, they're not trading for a name or a guy who has energized another line. They're maybe trading for a puzzle piece of a player who, you know, just is more of like they maybe they maybe they bring a certain aspect of their game, but they're not necessarily known for being a very good player. They're more so known for being a puzzle piece or having one specialty that could fit this line. Is a move like that even possible at this point for the Penguins, or are they just going to be stuck with the roster that they have now and Mike Sullivan just has to make it work? Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, you know, Ron Hexel watching this game against Colorado, I, I don't know how we could look at how the team performed and say, okay, like we're, we're a piece or two away. Um, Cause Colorado absolutely dominated for the first 40 minutes. I mean, full marks to the Penguins for, and, and to Smith for hanging around and finding a way to win the game. But um, you know, you watch them play Colorado and that's, you know, an elite elite team and they just played keep away against the Penguins. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. I do think the next three weeks are going to be huge for the Penguins. I mean, these players need to go out and play well, win games and, you know, basically force Hextall to make a move. I mean, he's not like Jim Rutherford. Jim Rutherford would have made 17 trades by now just to shake up this this team. Hextall's more patient, and I, I think he's right to want to see more from this team before he invests in any more assets in them. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens. I don't expect a major move. Um, you know, maybe if the Penguins play better, it'll be – you know, a trade where they, they send out a third rounder or a prospect um, to try to improve the bottom six. But yeah, if you're looking at like a potential area, um, you know, we talked about Jeff Carter and the, the third line. I mean, it's the bottom six. I mean, I, I think the Penguins can feel pretty good about their defense when they get healthy. Um, same thing with Tristan Jari. Top six has been great. It's that bottom six that I think if they do anything, um, that's what they're going to do because both Hextall and Mike Sullivan have talked about how they just haven't got enough uh, juice, as Sullivan said, from their bottom six this year. I think that's what a lot of people would agree because you look at the Penguins, like you said, they've been carried by their stars. They've been carried by the guys that are setting things up there. But when you put that that, that third and fourth line in, it gets rough. And like, you know, fourth line, whatever, that that's, you know, that, that, that's just something that comes with it. But third line, there's so many times we've seen the, the better Penguins teams get a charge from that group. Uh, to kind of carry them forward sometimes. My last thing here, just looking at how the Penguins are, are, are set up right now, you know, something that I think has been the pending, the pending question that's been looming over the Penguins for the past several years is how much more do you sell of your future to be part of this year? It's something that you just said, just said a few minutes ago, you know, this isn't a team that you sell out for right now. You know, they're, they're, they're the eighth seed. 
you know, as much as Penguins fans want to see improvement on this team, maybe some moves to, to try to make, you know, give them a chance to be more competitive. It's just, it's a tough question to ask your GM who you're true. You want to, yeah, sure. You want to win this year, but there's the eventual question of what happens when this group a, a ages out and you need to find new core pieces. And part of that is you know, having the draft picks to make those kind of moves down, down the future. Do you see this, this, this organization right now as a group that they need to make a move right now, or do you value more? So, Hey, stick to keeping, especially the draft picks that you can keep developing guys because the, I'm sure this franchise does not want to go through what it went through uh, when Lemieux and Yager and those guys aged out and they didn't have answers for some years until Crosby and those guys were drafted. Yeah, I think this organization is at another inflection point, and it just was at one last summer. Uh, they they made the decision to, you know, new ownership group. They stuck with Hextall. Um, they brought back all these guys. I mean, that was a, a clear decision. You know, we're going to be all in. And now here we are, and this team is scuffling. Um, you know, you wonder about Hexall's future beyond this season if the team misses the playoffs or is, you know, another one and done in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all all plays out. In regards to trading now, I mean, I, I think it just comes back to this team has to show that they're worth the investment. I mean, if this team gets some momentum, starts looking like a team that, you know, has a realistic shot at contending for a cup, which they really have not shown this year. Uh, but if they if they flip that switch, then yeah, I, I think the Penguins can have a conversation about potentially moving, um, you know, a first or second round pick, especially if they can get a guy that they feel like will be around beyond this year. I mean, that's a different story versus a rental. But I, I do think there's also a school of thought. And, you know, I wrote about this in my, my from the point column last Friday, but, you know, could they, you know, kick the can or not kick the can down the road, but maybe look to just sell a little bit and retool in the off season, kind of a, a, accumulate cap space and a little bit of assets and try again next year. And I, I think that's where the next three weeks are going to decide everything. I mean, if this team sputters, maybe they sell. Um, if they kind of stay as they're going, they probably won't do anything. And if they get hot, then yeah, maybe at that point, Hexton needs to say, okay, maybe this team is worth kind of pushing one of these these blue chips in and see if we can get better. So it's it's really going to be interesting to see how it plays out because I can I think this could go in you know three different directions, honestly. Well, the three different directions start with a four-game road trip at Anaheim, at L.A., on Friday and Saturday, then at San Jose playing them again, and then at the Islanders next Friday uh, before the Penguins return home again. I think that that's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how many of those, how many points can they squeeze out of that road trip? If they go on a run, maybe that, maybe they, maybe there's something like you're talking about, Matt, maybe there's some belief that, Hey, this group can do something and they do make a move to find a piece for now in the future. We'll see what the Penguins do, but as always, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette will be on scene for both those games this weekend. Check out all the coverage here as they prepare for that road trip at the, at post-gazette.com. Matt, thanks so much for joining us here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I've been your host, Chris Carter. We'll be back Friday, but I won't be. Brian Batko is going to host the show. I'm going on I'm oh. a little vacation. I got to do so. Uh, I'll be up. Uh, he'll be back Friday, and then Noah Hiles will be hosting the show on Monday, and then I'll be back hosting on next Wednesday. So back then, we'll probably be talking with you again, Matt. Uh, about uh, after, after. I don't want to talk to Batko. I, I refuse to talk to Batko. <laughs> no, sure. Listen. 
Brian's gonna be just fine. We had him on the show uh, on on the earlier part of the today's show, uh, but that's gonna be. I'll, I'll be I'll be interested. I'll be watching you guys when I'm chilling on a beach somewhere. Uh, but uh, thanks again, Matt, for joining us. Thank you for checking out the North Shore Drive podcast anywhere podcasts are hosted, but especially on YouTube. Like this video if you enjoyed it on YouTube. Subscribe to this YouTube channel to get all of all of your daily content that we have here on Pittsburgh Sports from the Pittsburgh Post Gazette. And remember, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are the episodes of the North Shore Drive podcast. Back Friday with Brian Batco hosting right here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Pro Paint Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specrite para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.